Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans. Hello to the people. This is Aaron the Brain, and welcome to another episode of the same old Dolphin Show, proudly part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Make sure to check out DolphinsTalk.com, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins, and make sure that you are following the show on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins, uh, myself at Aaron the Brain, Josh at Amplified to Rock. Soon, potentially, we will have a training camp, maybe in about a month or so, a little bit more than a month, and Josh will get on and we will get back to our our regular show where it will be two of us co-hosting this thing. But until then, I am glad to be back with you guys talking a little bit about uh, the Dolphins draft picks as I've done in a couple of uh, previous episodes. And in those previous episodes, if you are not aware or you have not heard them, I broke down the college tape of Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Uh, I also broke down the college tape of Dolphins uh, first round picks Austin Jackson and uh, Noah Igbenogany. Actually, in the Austin Jackson episode, I also broke down Raekwon Davis, who was a second round pick of the Dolphins. Then in the next episode, it was Noah Igbenogany and Robert Hunt. And in today's episode, I will be going over the tape, breaking down what I liked, what I didn't like, and my overall uh, opinion of what I saw on Dolphins' third-round pick, safety Brandon Jones out of Texas, and Dolphins' fourth-round pick, guard out of Georgia, Solomon Solomon Kindley. So we're going to get right into it. Again, if you... Uh, If you did not listen to the previous shows where I broke down these players, I'll give you a quick rundown of what I did. I basically went back and found all of the footage that I could find uh, from these players in their last year playing in college, and I watched every single snap. Every single snap that, that that I could find, I watched, and... I took notes, and I'll give you my first impressions, I'll give you the positives, I'll give you the negatives, I'll give you my overall opinion on the prospect, and then where I see them fitting in to the puzzle that is your Miami Dolphins roster. So we're going to start with Brandon Jones, who the Dolphins took uh, in the third round, and the first impression of Brandon Jones, by the way, safety out of Texas, is that he was the clear-cut leader of the Texas Longhorns secondary. Uh, You see it very plainly that before almost every play, he is the guy that was responsible for calling plays, getting guys lined up, which also fits the narrative coming into the draft. Brandon Jones was a guy who got hurt uh, and had surgery following his, his senior year at Texas, and because of it, did not play in the Senior Bowl and did not work out at the Combine. And because of that, felt like he was at a distinct disadvantage, but he was also very proactive. And he basically wrote to all 32 teams, basically requested their film, all of their game film, and he watched 
four games of film on every single team in the National Football League so that he could see the type of defense they run, uh, where he would be a good fit, how he would be used, basically learning it. He's a heady football player is basically what I'm trying to say. And uh, it was very plain to see that he was a leader of that secondary. Also, if you knew anything about uh, the Texas secondary going into last season, they they had a lot of young talent, and Brandon Jones was the only returning starter in their secondary. So it would, you know, it it was very reasonable that he was the guy that was tasked with with being the leader and the organizer in their secondary. Now, as far as actual playing, the positives: he's a sure tackler and he's a willing tackler. Uh, you're going to see several times. In the tape, if you go back and watch it, you'll see him making open field tackles against pretty good players. He's a guy that's not afraid to throw his body on the line, go after a guy's legs if they're a bigger guy or or a quicker guy. He's also not afraid to mix it up uh, and get physical, uh, take on blocks, try to shed those blocks and make the play. He is a sure tackler and a willing tackler, which as we all know is a very important uh, trait that Brian Flores looks for in all of his defensive backs. Aside from that, he's got a relentless motor. He, you never see him giving up on a play. And he's always in the right spot. Rarely does he miss an assignment. So what you're seeing is, again, all of the trademarks of a player that is both a heady player and a guy with a strong work ethic, a guy that has the heart uh, to be... Uh, to be a very valuable player, basically has all of those intangibles. Now, as far as the negatives, these are going to come into play. These are not small negatives. Brandon Jones is not particularly fast or quick. He struggles covering in space and with speed. So he's going to be a liability if he's asked to be in man coverage, if he's asked to be uh, a deep safety these are not positions that really suit his skill set. I think he would be very overmatched against speed receivers if he's used in those roles. If he's in man coverage against speed receivers, whether if he's in the slot or if he's put in a role where he has to cover, he certainly would not excel deep in center field as a single high safety, but even deep in a cover two, I don't think is really a strong suit. I think he would be a weakness back there that if he was back there covering a deep half of the field, I would think that if another team has a speed receiver, I would try to attack that and get behind the safety because I don't think Brandon Jones has the speed to to cover that at the next level. So overall, I think Brandon Jones' best fit is, at a, is as a situational defensive back that can be used to cover tight ends. He can also be used to attack uh, the the run as a as a box safety, as your uh, traditional strong safety, or as an occasional blitzer. And he could be a sixth defensive back in zone coverage, occasionally used to cover the slot, but not in a in a role where he is just simply man coverage with no safety over the top. I think he's a guy that. Uh, could be used in the to cover the slot if he's got safety help over the top, or he could be used uh, as a shallow zone 
uh, defender in a dime package or or potentially even uh, in a quarters package. You could even see him in a role where in maybe a big nickel or in a dime or quarter uh, package, he actually serves almost as a, as a linebacker as opposed to a defensive back. He's not a linebacker, but because he is not afraid to mix it up and because he is a short tackler, he could be used a little bit in that role. So where does he fit into the puzzle that is the, the current Miami Dolphins roster? Well, with Bobby McCain likely to play deep free safety, as he did much of last year, Jones joins a group of Eric Rowe, Stephen Parker, Adrian Colbert, and Kayvon Frazier battling for time at safety. With Rowe excelling in his role covering tight ends and signing an extension through 2022 this offseason, it would seem that Jones is battling uh, the other three guys, those again being Parker, Colbert, and Frazier, for a role as this team's third safety Essentially, the Patrick Chung role, uh, which if you watch the Patriots, Patrick Chung kind of does a little bit of everything, but the Patriots do a good job of kind of keeping him at playing to his strengths, uh, which again, run support, covering tight ends, shallow zone coverage, occasionally as a, a blitzing defensive back faux linebacker. It's it's worth noting in the in Brian Flores' defense, if you go back to his last year in New England, two years ago, the year that they won the Super Bowl, beating the Rams in the Super Bowl, the Patriots had three safeties that played at least 65% of snaps over the course of the season. That should cue you that should key you in as to what the Dolphins are thinking here is that even with uh, Bobby McCain and with Eric Rowe signed and already fulfilling roles on this team, the Dolphins felt like they needed another safety that could fill that role. And it it would seem to me that with Rowe Rowe and McCain better in coverage than because both of those guys, are converted corners that are going to be playing safety with both of those guys at better in coverage than Jones. Jones would seem to me to be that third guy, that box safety who can kind of move around, can can do a little bit in the slot, can do a lot in run support, and just kind of kind of be asked to do multiple things, much in the way that Patrick Chung is asked to fill those roles for the New England Patriots. Now, do I think that he is going to be Patrick Chung? I don't know. I mean, the measurables are not are not dissimilar, but that said, it's quite a leap to expect a guy who is not particularly productive at Texas and on film in many instances kind of shows up as a guy that gets beat. It's kind of hard to just project that he is going to excel in that role. But that said, I think that's clearly the role that he was targeted for. He was targeted to be that guy that can do a little bit of everything. And as long as they can not put him in a position where his weaknesses are exposed, they could be able to to tap into those strengths, which again, his motor, his headiness, his ability to be at the right place at the right time. If they can 
put him in a role to take advantage of those strengths. I think he could be a very usable piece for this Dolphins secondary. And again, looking at what the Dolphins have done this offseason by, by, again, extending Eric Rowe, by signing Byron Jones, by drafting Noah Igbenogany, it's a very crowded secondary now. And so you you look at these guys and you look and you say, well, your top three corners should be really in no doubt that it's Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and Noah Igbenogany. And now you have your, your three safeties in Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, and Brandon Jones. I think that you look at it and you say, the Dolphins are going to play a lot of dime defense this year. And again, going back to Brian Flores' last year in New England, the Patriots were one of the teams that played more dime and quarter defense than anybody else in the league. They were they did it uh, as much or more than just about anybody in the league. I think they were top five in the league in percentage of snaps where they played dime or quarter defense, which is having six or seven defensive backs. So you can expect to see a lot of that in the Dolphins' defense this year as they continue to try to put the pieces together to build the defense that Brian Flores eventually was able to build in New England. So that's basically the story on Brandon Jones. Uh, I will answer a question. We got a, a Twitter question about Brandon Jones. Uh, actually, a couple of questions about Brandon Jones, and I'll tackle those uh, at the end of the show. But first, we are going to talk about Solomon Kindley, who the Dolphins drafted in the fourth round, the guard out of Georgia. So again, first impressions. The first impression of this guy is that this guy is just huge. He is just a large individual, 6'4", 335, where his measurables at the combine, uh, where he didn't work out, but he was measured. Uh, and that was actually five pounds less than what his reported playing weight was in college. This guy was a big dude. Uh, as far as his positives on the field, dominant at the point of attack in the ground game. Good hand placement and strong hands. Once he locks on, he shows the strength and the ability to drive his opponent off their spot. He anchors well in pass protection, consistently stonewalling pass rushers who are reliant on the bull rush as their as their pass rush technique. So stronger, bigger defensive backs who simply tried to overpower the offensive linemen. This guy's able to hold his own. He's a large man, and he anchors well. Now, the negatives. He's not particularly athletic. He, In fact, he's a little bit on the slower side. Uh, he can be slow out of his stance and pass protection in particular, which, is gonna, which because of it, he's going to struggle with quicker interior rushers and those with polished pass rushing tools. He struggles to pick up stunts and delayed blitzes, gets lost in space, and is overmatched against speed. Now, I was told prior to looking at the film, uh, a couple of people kind of warned me about Kindley, and they said, well, he got injured uh, pretty early on in the season. Uh, he got injured in the, Notre, in the Notre Dame game, which was actually their fourth game of the year. And so you should really keep that in mind when you're watching his film. Well, it became pretty evident to me, even before I got to the Notre Dame injury, that that did not matter 
because their first two games were against Vanderbilt and Murray State. So I looked at those games and I said, well, I'm expecting him to absolutely dominate. And he did in the ground game. He dominated in those. But even against Vanderbilt and Murray State, you saw the weakness of him being slow out of his stance and pass protection, him having trouble picking up delayed blitzes, him having trouble uh, picking up stunts, uh, and just having problems with interior defensive linemen who were on the quicker side and used their hands well. Uh, They got pretty consistently gave him trouble, but because Georgia in those games were consistently playing with a lead and were a very much a run first offense. He rarely had to deal with those pass rushers from, you know, from opposing defensive linemen. But in the NFL, look, if you're struggling with the defensive linemen from Vanderbilt and Murray State, you're going to have a problem dealing with the pass rushers in the NFL. So I think there are major concerns in Solomon Kindley as a pass protector, particularly when faced against speed rushers or guys that uh, use their hands well and have an arsenal of pass rushing tools, which, let's face it, if, if you're going up against a pass rushing defensive tackle in the NFL, they're probably going to have those tools. They're certainly going to have more tools than the defensive lineman that he faced at in, in college. So uh, there are certainly question marks there. So overall with Solomon Kinley, to me, he projects as a good run blocking guard, but unless he can improve his lateral agility and quickness, he will be a liability against most one gap defensive tackles in pass protection in the NFL. So where does he fit? Well, again, this is an area where the Dolphins actually spent a lot of resources both in the draft and in free agency prior to using this pick on Solomon Kinley. So when you look at the picks of Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt, and the signing of Eric Flowers, and you remember that we still have Jesse Davis signed, who we who we extended pretty early last season. To me, Kindley looks to be a bit of a project, or he may simply just be a depth piece. And he joins last year's third round pick, the guard Michael Dieter, as a backup guard on this offensive line as currently constituted. Now, does that mean that he can't potentially win a spot on on this offensive line? No, I mean he, I mean yes, he absolutely could. But I think their plan with him going forward is this guy is is a depth piece for right now. Uh, if somebody gets hurt, it's nice to have somebody who at least excels in something at guard. Uh, he's not going to be totally lost out there, but you will understand that if you if you just throw him out there, uh, you're probably going to need to give him help and, and put him, uh, you know, kind of slide the 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 coverage his way and pass protection, or you might need to go to more of a run first game plan because again, he's going to be a liability in pass protection. But long term, maybe they can find some improvements and make him a serviceable pass protector at the at the next level. And if he becomes even a serviceable uh, pass blocker at the next level, then I think you've got a very startable guard uh, on your hands. So he's a guy that uh, I don't think will ever be uh, a huge upside guy or a Pro Bowl guard, but 
if he can be even serviceable in pass protection, I think he can be a very startable piece going forward long term. So those are my impressions of Brandon Jones and Solomon Kinley. And before I let you go, we've got some Twitter questions. And remember, if you've got any questions that you want to ask myself or Josh or the show in general, anything that you want us to cover or or really any questions that you might have for the show, you can always tweet at us at same old dolphins, and we will do our best our best to either get you an answer right away or answer your questions on the program. So the first Twitter question comes to us from me at three kids are a blessing minus the ng. Three kids are a blessing. Uh, a fan of the show, a regular of the show. He says it's me again. Hello, me. I thought safety was a bigger need than cornerback in the draft, so I was surprised that they waited until round three to address the need. With McCain being a glorified slot corner and Rowe a one-year wonder, is Jones really enough to cover us at the position? So there's a, there's a little bit to unpack there. First and foremost, uh, I agree. I think that coming into the draft, safety was absolutely a bigger need than corner. However, I'll also say that cornerback is a much more important position in general, and you can never have enough good cornerbacks on your roster. So from strictly a value standpoint, if you've got all things being equal, a great safety or a great corner, I'm going to take the great corner just about every time. You always need more corners, especially when you look at the the way the Dolphins roster is constituted, the amount of money that we're paying both Xavier Howard and, and Byron Jones uh, together. I think you have to have a little bit of forward thinking and understand that in all likelihood, both of those players are not going to see the ends of their contracts as Miami Dolphins. So... It's not a bad idea to have another really good corner that can step in for a Xavier Howard if and when we trade him in a year or two. And so because of that, it's a good problem to have that conveyor belt at corner, which I've, I've, I've kind of called it uh, in past episodes. And I think it's something that will likely be a trend here. I, I wouldn't I, I think we're always going to be looking for that next uh talented corner. We're always going to be looking for guys that can play man coverage and it won't it'll an it'll enable us to have the leverage so that we don't need that we're not forced to consistently overpay at the cornerback position. We have the luxury this season and next season of having so much cap space that it almost doesn't matter how much we're paying our corners, but eventually you're going to be in a spot where you cannot afford to be paying $30 million for two players in your in your secondary, so you better have some viable options at corner, some viable cheap options at corner, and the only way that you do that is by drafting them. Now, as far as... The other guys in the secondary at safety, um, he made mention of McCain being a glorified slot corner. I don't believe that that's the case. McCain, yes, was a slot corner prior to last season, but basically became a safety, became our deep safety, especially uh, when we traded away Minka Fitzpatrick 
it became very clear that he was he was really the only guy on the roster that was capable of of playing that position and he did a serviceable job he did a commendable job now i don't think that bobby mccain is a great deep free safety but again i think he's serviceable eric rowe he says eric rowe being a one year wonder well that may be the case um but again you have to consider that eric rowe was a cornerback last year. If you rewind to last season, this time last year, all expectation was that Eric Rowe was going to be your starting cornerback opposite Xavier Howard. That turned out to not be the case, and then Eric Rowe ended up getting moved to a different position, got played at safety, and you know what? He actually excelled there. He actually played really well, covered tight ends exceptionally well over the second half of last season, and because of it, was granted a contract extension. So is it possible that he was a one-year wonder in that in that role? Yeah, it's possible, but he's only been in that role for a handful of games, and when he was in that role, he played really well, and then they gave the guy a three-year extension. So they're under, they're going into it with the plan and the idea that Eric Rowe is not a one-year wonder, that Eric Rowe, they have found a role that he excels at, and that's going to be his role going forward. And so where that leaves Brandon Jones, as I talked about before, is kind of that third safety role where he's going to come in in six in you know when we have six defensive backs maybe sometimes in the nickel package certainly you would think that he would be out there in the quarter package and he's going to be asked to do several different things and does that cover us at the position going forward i don't know it remains to be seen i'm not necessarily sold i think i think we've we're we're getting there but and, and maybe we've got the pieces, but I'm not sold that Bobby McCain is a long-term solution as the deep free safety, and I'm not sold that that Brandon Jones is going to come in and be Patrick Chung, whom they want him to be. And you look, you could be absolutely right that Eric Rowe could be a one-year wonder uh, last year. So I think there is credence to the idea that maybe they found the pieces going forward to be set at safety, but there's a lot of question marks still at that position. So does it cover us at that position? Potentially, but there's probably still work to be done there. Uh, I got one more question regarding Brandon Jones, and then I've got a question regarding Solomon Kindley. So regarding uh, Brandon Jones, the next question comes to us from Melody Mackey at Dolphins Melody. And Melody asks, do you have a favorite college play by Brandon Jones? I kind of had to think about this one for a, for a while because I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I was watching the Brandon Jones tape, a lot of what I saw was unexciting. Uh, I thought that this was consistently a guy that was kind of in the right spot, but not always the guy that made the, the, the big play. He was consistently the guy that would be there right around the big play, but not necessarily the guy that made the big play. Maybe like half a step late, last guy on the pile, you know, in making a big tackle for a loss, those kinds of things. 
That said, there there were a few plays where I thought Brandon Jones made some good tackles in space, really showing off his ability to be a sure tackler. But I think his best play, uh, or my favorite play from the tape that I watched, which again was just his senior year, just his 2019 film, uh, came in the game against Oklahoma. Uh, where Oklahoma was up 7-0 early in the second quarter and was driving deep in Texas territory. And there was a play where Jalen Hurts rolls out, he's under pressure, and Brandon Jones comes up with an interception in the end zone. And on the play, when you look at the replay, what you see is Brandon Jones is in man coverage against a guy in the slot, uh, plays him to perfection in the corner of the end zone, actually kind of forces him out of bounds, and then Jalen Hurts, while he's at the sideline, Brandon Jones keeps his eyes on the quarterback, reads Jalen Hurts' eyes, comes off of his man, and is able to make the interception in the end zone. I think it was a good example of Brandon Jones showing his coverage ability against a receiver that was not particularly fast or quick, and then more so his uh, his headiness in keeping his eyes on the quarterback, reading the situation, and then again his relentlessness in not giving up in the on the play because it was a play that ran for about 15 seconds before the ball was even thrown because of Jalen Hurts' ability to buy time and roll out out of the pocket trying to make something out of nothing. And Brandon Jones' ability to, to keep his head in the play, come off of his man, and then make the interception, his lone interception of the the 2019 season, no less, I thought that was probably my favorite play of the Brandon Jones film that I watched. Final question uh, comes to us from Giorno at DannyLeon66. He says, is the team finished building the offensive line or is there more work to do in the 2021 draft? So the Dolphins have put a lot of resources into the offensive line and have certainly put themselves in a situation where they are they have a much better offensive line situation than they did last year. Let's look at what their offensive line is. Uh, they draft, or let, let's look at what they did, and then let's look at the offensive line as a whole. Uh, they drafted off Austin Jackson in the first round. Uh, the left tackle. They drafted Robert Hunt in the second round, uh, a right tackle slash right guard. Uh, They drafted Solomon Kindley, who is strictly a guard. Uh, They also brought in Eric Flowers, who has uh, experience playing at tackle, but has played better in the NFL as a guard and is expected to be your starting left guard. And they also have Jesse Davis, who has played basically four of the five spots on the offensive line everywhere except for center on this offensive line over the last couple of years and figures to be either your starting right tackle or right guard coming into the season. So, and then, and then they brought in uh Karras, the center from, from new England. And he's going to be your starting center brought in on a one year deal just to solidify that spot. And then you also have, uh, last year's third round pick, Michael Dieter. You've got Solomon Kinley, who, whom we broke down on this episode, the guard from Georgia. And you also have, uh, the tackle that they brought in last year from, 
from Ohio State uh, with the sixth or seventh round pick, Isaiah Prince. And you have Shaq Calhoun, who uh, played extensively at guard for this team last year. So you've got really nine guys, and that's not including any undrafted free agents that they also brought in this year to challenge uh, for for a roster spot. That's nine guys there that uh, could potentially be uh, on this roster uh, on the offensive line, and 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 what you the first thing that you got to say is there's depth there. there. There's options. They might not be concrete at any positions going forward. There might not be any sure things uh, aside from from Karras, but you have to feel a lot better about their situation this year than 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 you did a year ago. So, now, whether or not they are done or there's more work to do. I think it, it, it totally depends on what happens this season. Austin Jackson, if he turns out to be a franchise left tackle, then good. You've got that position figured out, but he's not a sure thing. Robert Hunt, I'm still unclear. I, I don't think that the team is clear right now as to whether Robert Hunt is going to play right tackle this year or right guard. I think that they brought him in uh, because he's got upside at both positions, and they're going to play him wherever he fits best this year. But I think he'll probably get the crack at right tackle because we all are pretty much convinced that Jesse Davis is not a great option at right tackle. So why not give your young guy who played right tackle at an exceptionable at an exceptional level in college, albeit at a smaller school, give him first crack at that position, and if he can do it. Great. Now you've got your bookend tackle situation resolved and you can figure out your guard situation, which I think you feel pretty good with Eric Flowers at left guard. Uh, You obviously got Karras at center and then you would have three guys in Jesse Davis, Solomon Kindley and uh, and Michael Dieter battling for one guard spot. But what if Robert Hunt doesn't turn out to be a good right tackle? I myself think that he is much more suited to be a guard. In fact, I think his upside, his biggest upside in the NFL, I think this guy could be a Pro Bowl caliber guard. I'm not sold that he's a Pro Bowl caliber tackle. If they if they see the same thing themselves, and I'm not alone in that assessment, by the way, that's several of other people who have more experience tons more experience breaking down prospects than I do have shared that same analysis that they feel like he's a guy that while he played both guard and tackle and in college and played mostly guard in his last two years is a guy that projects better to be inside at guard at the next level. If that's the case, then does anybody feel confident that Jesse Davis is going to be your right tackle for any significant time in the future? Yes, he signed for a couple more years, but we've also got a potential out in his contract after this year, and he's not any type of long-term solution. We know that right now. So already, if Robert Hunt ends up being better at guard than tackle, then you know you're going to need to address right tackle at some point, whether that's in free agency or the draft. Also, on the left side, let's not just assume that Austin Jackson is a sure thing. Austin Jackson has a ton of upside and has the upside to be a franchise left tackle, but 
he is a he is a project. He it is in it is very possible that Austin Jackson is not a franchise left tackle. And if Austin Jackson is not a franchise tackle, which again, very possible, and Robert Hunt is not a franchise right tackle, I would say probably likely, then in all honesty, we we've got two we we may have come out of this offseason without getting a tackle. Now, if if that's the case, you would still feel good that you've got an outstanding right guard in Robert Hunt. And you, I would think that even with Austin Jackson, if you go back and listen to the Austin Jackson episode that I did a couple episodes ago, my thought on Austin Jackson is that he's got the potential to be a franchise left tackle. But even if he's not, I think he would be a very good guard. At any rate, you would have figured out the interior of your offensive line. So best case scenario, yes, we've got it figured out. In all likelihood, we're still going to need at least one more tackle to add to this offensive line before we can truly say the work is done. Um, And we're going to have a lot of money and we still have a lot of draft capital. So we certainly have the resources to make that work. But for this year, I'm not going to sit here and say that the work is done. In all likelihood, there's still a little bit more work to do, but we are in a much, much better situation offensive line-wise right now than we were a year ago. So that about wraps it up. Again, if you've got any more questions for me or the podcast, make sure to tweet at same old dolphins, tweet at Aaron the Brain. Uh, that'll get to me directly. Uh, make sure you're following us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash same old dolphins. Make sure you are following us on Instagram at same old dolphins and make sure that you are consistently going to dolphinstalk.com and checking out all of the great content we've got on there. Uh, Mike and Tom and all the guys do a great job, and we are proud to be one of of several podcasts featured on that page. So it truly is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. So make sure to check that out. And uh, just uh, as a scheduling note of what's coming up, we're I've got one more of these planned. Uh We have now looked at seven, or I have looked at seven of the Miami Dolphins' 11 draft picks. I'm not going to be going over uh, the long snapper footage. Uh, However, uh, in the next episode, I'm going to be breaking down three players. I'm going to be looking at Strobridge, Weaver, and Perry. Uh, and breaking down all three of those guys into one episode so that I can finally put these college film studies uh, to bed. Uh, If you like what I'm doing and what we're doing as a podcast, let us know if there's anything else that you would like to see from us. Hey, we're in that time of the year, uh, and frankly, uh, it may be prolonged this year because we have no idea really when the NFL season will start, when things will go back to normal. So if there's anything that you would like us to cover, send your ideas. Tweet at me, at Aaron the Brain. Tweet at Josh, at Amplified to Rock. Uh, tweet at Same Old Dolphins and let us know what you think about the podcast. Give us a five-star review because uh, those go a long way towards... Uh, 
helping to promote us on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere where you find your favorite podcast. So until next time, I'm Aaron the Brain for Josh. Go Dolphins!